As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast in the Until Saturday feed. I'm Mitch Light. Joined by Ari Wasserman, Ari's national college football reporter for us. And Ari, we basically come to the conclusion that whatever you write, people are going to be mad. You wrote a, I thought, a well-reasoned, positive story on Oklahoma football after its biggest win, and evidently, you're an a-hole. Yeah, I think that that's just the way it's going to go for me. Those are I don't two know separate what it thoughts, is. by the way. I was just yeah. saying, yeah. <laughs> I am an asshole, and I have this uncanny ability to make everybody angry no matter what. It's so funny, Mitch, as we were working on the story, I was like, Oklahoma fans are going to really enjoy this. It's like they did it. You know, they, they beat Texas. They're in the playoff hunt. They can finally move on from their their last coach who did them dirty. Everybody agrees they did them dirty. Now you can be indifferent. And I'm going to tell you a story. Like, I had a girlfriend who broke my heart in college, <laughs> and you know, did some things that I wish she wouldn't have done when I was like 22. And then we broke up as a result of that. And then I got my life together, uh, got a better job. Things started going well. And I was like, then I became indifferent to her after she hurt me so bad. And I thought that the, the indifference was like the best part of the recovery. So I was like, this is going to be great. And then it just turns out uh, Oklahoma fans were like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm never getting over it. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, it wasn't really supposed to be telling you what to do. It was just kind of like a cathartic congratulations on making it back so quickly. And Yeah, we Boy, need to come up are. with an idea where you just write the most positive story ever about a fan. Like, I don't know, write something about how Georgia was good at football. And I should have just like yeah. written, Oklahoma's the greatest thing that's ever happened to humanity, and Lincoln Riley sucks. <laughs> you think that would have worked? Yeah, maybe like a 20-word story. So well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Also joined by Manny Navarro, uh, covers recruiting for us, and he also covers a program called the Miami Hurricanes. And, and Manny, we will get into this later. I want more details, even though this is a recruiting podcast, but Manny witnessed one of the most notable games in the past three decades, notable endings. So have you recovered from, I'm just, I know you, you're probably going, you're thinking to cover a, a, a just a Miami Georgia Tech game. You're going to write a quick story and move on to another story, but this has probably consumed your life. I know you do some talk radio down there. Yeah. It's been a busy time for you. Yeah. Everybody wants to talk about how dumb Mario Cristobal <laughs> is and why he didn't take a knee. Uh, so that's, that's been fun for the last 72 hours. Um, I don't and know. The I, next hour. 
And for the next yeah. hour, right? Because <laughs> yeah. we're, we're not done with it. So you're not out of the woods yet, pal. <laughs> and uh, also joined by Grace Rayner. Grace uh, covers college football recruiting for us and some college football in, in the deep south as well. And I'm going to just a little tease here. Grace has started working on, I think bonkers is the right word. It's a college football mystery story. That's our tease. We might not see it for a couple months, but Grace, are you ready to dive in and read? Just You shared some of the documents you have with us. This is going to be fun. It's like 100 pages of documents. So my ADD is going to need to... Yeah, you can ask Ari for some help. He's really good at details, diving <laughs> in, organization. This is. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be fun. Like it'll be one of those things where once we get through it, it'll be like so exciting and yes. such a relief. But in the weeds of it, I'm like, this is a lot of a lot of details. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Um, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five star review and leave us a question with your review, and we will answer it on the show. Subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube. Be sure to join us live every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday on YouTube throughout the season as we preview and react to the weekend's games and hear from you, the listeners, on our Sunday sound off show. Leave a voicemail or text on the Until Saturday phone line at 316 462 9852. Sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter where you'll get your daily fill of college football news right in your inbox. Ari, first of all, is your mic on? I think your lips were moving a few minutes ago. And uh, I'm good. Yeah, I just okay. muted myself because I didn't. It's my only way of not interrupting people. So okay, that's good. Yeah, just but so hey, we're gonna get good on the pod in a minute. But are you? You guys are like five weeks into the uh, Sunday Sound Off show. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how's, I, I listen to I listen to your reaction shows. I listen to midweeks for whatever reason. I've not listened to the Sunday sound off show, except for when Grace was on. Um, have, have they gone? Why don't you ask Grace? I'm asking you. You're the host. <laughs> I think they've been going great. Thanks for the support. I appreciate it. I listen to you. I'm on a pod with you. I talk to you all the time and I listen to you about three times a week. It's my favorite show of the week uh, to host wow. because I said to host. I'm not the host of the show. Um, It is incredible listening to what people have to say and like, being able to interact with them uh, in their voicemails. Uh, I really get a kick out of that. That was Cam Molina, our producer's idea. I think it was a fantastic idea. And like, you actually get to hear the passion and the thought process of, of fans that listen to the show. And, you know, as we continue to grow into that show, you know, we see a lot of familiar faces and a lot of people that are there every week. And I'm starting to feel like I get to know a lot of these people and uh, it's super good. And I think a great show. So I'm going to listen. You can find the time on your, on your busy Sundays um or mondays even yeah while you're running nine miles out in the middle of nowhere um you could you could give it a give it a listen and tell me what you think it's my commitment who cares to you. what i think i want to know what you what people who listen to it think i want to i want it to grow i want it to get better i want people to have feedback for it and i think we've done a pretty good job so far um good. it's been weird being back into the podcast space without a co-host that i had for so many podcasts over the course of the past few years and i feel like we're finally starting to get a feel for you know, hosting and doing these shows. And, you know, I think that so far we're, we're kind of in a good groove here and I love stars matter and what it's become with the four of us. And, you know, all kidding aside, feel very blessed to work with you guys. So, Oh, that's sweet. Ari. But we got a good show today. A lot to get into significant uh, decommitment and what it means for that program. We're going to discuss Mark Stoops comments on his radio show after the Georgia game. We're going to talk a little about junior college recruiting and uh, have a bunch of really good mailbag questions. So we'll see how much time we have left to get into those. And then trivia, of course. Um, basically, two 
commitments this week to talk about. We usually only talk about top 100 guys or high four stars or whatever, but uh, Colorado got its first commitment in a while, and we're not trying to be Dion obsessed, but we're all very interested in to see how they will recruit. They got a three-star um, edge rusher, Amontre Bradford from Statesboro, Georgia, at number 602. Interesting thing here, guys, is Colorado's nine commitments, four from Georgia, one from California, Florida, Indiana, uh, Michigan, and Missouri. And I know, Ari, I'm not allowed to talk about like college football before you started watching, but like when Colorado was awesome and they won the national championship in the 90s and whatever, they made a living in Southern California. Um, so I think we all thought Dion, because of who he is, would recruit nationally. Maybe it's just a fluke that they've got four kids out of Georgia, but I find that pretty interesting. And I guess we'll continue to see them recruit nationally. Where's Cordell Stewart from? Is he from New Orleans? He might be. That's a good, that's a good. I, I just, I never, I never knew that, but I, I think that Colorado's recruiting is super interesting because we spend so much time discussing like the transfer portal and how much that is kind of changing the two, four, seven sport talent composite and all those things that kind of measure up to how we judge a talent level on a team. And I wonder if Dion is just going to be Mr. Roster flip every summer, or if he's hoping that this translates into a foundational high school recruiting piece. And Right now, if you look at their class, they only have nine commitments and only one top 200 player and three top 500 players. So it's it's a kind of a slow burn. And I know that he's kind of made his bones with fireworks at the end of cycles and flipping a five star that you kind of, you know, another Manny story. You know, <laughs> he can come in here and remind us of that. And, you know, that's well and good. But like, are you ever going to sign a top 25 class? I think is an interesting dynamic or is Colorado just going to be flip the roster and the portal every year. Yeah, Grace, you did that story several months ago um, about the kid. I don't know, was he the top player in Colorado, that offensive lineman who had a Colorado offer, committed to Tennessee. I assume he's still in Tennessee's class. I haven't looked him up in a while, but that's what made me think. It's like Colorado is clearly one of those states where you cannot make a living at home. And under most coaches, I would say, if we had a normal first-year coach at Colorado and he lost the top player in his state who wasn't like a five-star to an SEC team, you'd be like, oh, that's bad news. You know, you got to you know, put a fence in your state, but like with Dion, which like, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to be as big of a deal because he is going to go out and, and get other guys. But uh, um, he, he had good things to say about Colorado, right, Grace, in that story, if I, if I recall? I think so, yeah. It was Gage Ginther at Tennessee. Yeah. And I think I remember him saying it was hard to say, you know, thanks, but but no, but no thanks. Um, but, and I would be curious to know if, you know, if he was just two years younger, does this end differently? Like, was it just too late for him because he's in the cycle? But yeah, top player in their state. Yeah. Um, another notable commitment was four-star wide receiver Nye Carr from uh, Colquitt County, Georgia, number 53, former Georgia commit, and committed to the University of Miami on Sunday. Now, Manny, you thought that this might happen on Saturday, so I know there was a mailbag question for Ari, like, how could the kid commit after watching that debacle? You know, yeah. most, I would say... 95% of the time when a kid commits, he doesn't choosing five minutes before. Like he's announcing at a certain time. He's maybe even decided weeks before. Um, so obviously a good get there, but I thought this would be a good time to transition to this, Manny. Again, we've said it's a recruiting podcast, but we can't let you not talk about it. Where were you? Were you on the field? I got an OMG Slack message from Manny, uh, and I had stopped, stopped watching the game. I had, color, I had the Georgia Tech-Miami game on the big TV and was watching yeah. another game on the laptop, USC. And then I think they got a first down with like two minutes to go. So I'm like, okay, this game's over. 
There were no other games on, so I shut my laptop and put Arizona USC on the main TV, and then I get the OMG text from Manny. So where where were you on? Were you on the field, up in the box? Take us through that. No, no, I I was actually at home, Mitch, because it was such oh. a late game, and I decided it was supposed <laughs> to be a blowout. I said I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to come home at two or three in the morning. I can I can work on this from the house. So I said this will be the one home game I skipped this year because I'd been to all the others. And of course, what happens? The biggest, you know. I did not know that. Effing mistake, <laughs> effing mistake I've ever seen in my life. Um, so, yes, there was a lot of regret on my part for not going to the stadium. But I still talked to enough people over the phone and, and you know. you know, Yeah, wrote a really good column on it. Yeah. Yeah. And and certainly listened to the post-game press conference and everything else. And it was just so disastrous. And, you know, I look, watching that replay over and over again, everybody keeps asking, why did they run the football? It, it never – to me, it never looked like they even considered taking a knee. Like there was never even a conversation on the sideline. Um, and I think it was just, it goes back to Mario, uh, you know, bravado over brains. I mean, it's just, it's like we're, I'm an offensive lineman. We play physical the line of scrimmage. We run our way to victory. And, and, and it's one of his greatest faults, right? Cause it happened to him at Oregon before. And to me, um, you know, Don Cheney Jr. sitting on, what was it, 99 yards going into that final carry, uh, at least according to the live stats. Don Cheney Jr. is one of the top recruits for Miami in the last few years. Been injured his entire career. This is finally an opportunity to cross 100 yards. They keep giving him the ball there at the end. So, um, Do you think that was a motivational factor? I mean, people say that. Do you think that's what they were doing? I think I think it was a combination of that and just – Mario, I mean, he he was asked on the press conference Monday by my former colleague at the Miami Herald, Susan Miller-Degnan. We call, we talked about this on the phone. Susan was driving to the press conference. She goes, Manny, how do I phrase this? Because he's going to shoot me down. I said, you need to ask Mario, is the victory formation even in the playbook? Like, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> has he removed it like entirely? Like we're just not, we're, you know, and, and so she did. And his response was, yes, we do practice it. We, it's in our four minute. But he's yet to do that this year in any game to take a knee it's always run out the football run out the football run out the football and honestly i can't even remember last year because they only won five games they could how many opportunities did they have to even line up the victory (laughs) formation last year so like uh to me it's just it's his mentality and and i know everybody wants to talk about it and how dumb it was but the reality is if don cheney jr doesn't get called for a fumble to me the replay showed his elbow was down um then we're obviously not talking about this at all uh, but I, I think there's just a lot of head coaches, Ari, and, and we've seen this throughout college football, who aren't very good late in games and are, are sort of careless. I mean, Nick Saban, at the end of that Texas A&M Alabama game, I mean, what was he doing there? They were throwing the ball high up in the air. Yeah, I think that was a miscommunication uh, from like, he looked like he was pissed at Milrow. And right, I think but, that the reason why they threw that was because there was a reviewable play potentially on the previous play and they ran a play very quickly to try to make sure that the previous play wasn't reviewed and there was a miscommunication on the play call, and that's why they threw it. Throwing it's stupid. There's no question. But I was watching a game very intently on Tuesday night, uh, Coastal <laughs> really? Carolina. I wonder why. And, yeah. I, wonder why yeah. I was really into it, and I was sitting on the on, – Just on, love college football so much. You know, I've got night. this new transition, this new idea now, so I don't wake up my daughter, where like when games are close <laughs> and at the end of the game um, – if I'm like really into it for whatever reason, I go out into my front yard and sit on like the stoop area away from the house. <laughs> so I can just watch the game and coastal Carolina uh, was in a tie game with three minutes left. And 
Tim Beck, the head coach, they, they, it was a tie game. There was like three and a half or four minutes left in the game. And they had a fourth and one from the opposing like 25 yard line. And they lined up to go for it and got stuffed. And I just thought to myself, not for any particular reason, but I'm like in a tie game with three minutes left, you know, playing okay defense. Like, why are we outsmarting our outsmarting ourselves? I just feel like everything is like more complicated than it needs to be. And it's like, you're right, Manny. We wouldn't be talking about this if the non-fumble fumble didn't happen. But I'm happy that we are talking about it because it's just like super simple. And, you know, you and I think I said this to you on the phone yesterday, but one of the assistant coaches was saying, well, there were eight or ten other plays in the middle of the game that could have happened if mm-hmm. – if those would have happened, I then that, it wouldn't have yeah. been it wouldn't have been a big deal. And it's like that is such a disservice to the actual team that did everything that they could in order to win the game. They won the game. All you had to do as a coach was call a play that involved kneeling down, and your your kids worked hard enough to win that game. So don't give me this bullshit about well, in the second quarter, if so and so would have caught this pass, or if we got in this first down, they did everything they could do in a four quarter period to win the football game, and the coaches failed the team. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like are the the coastal Carolina, we we can sit here and and think we know football, we you, clock management, all that. But most of the things we second guess, there's a gray area. Like it's not certain. Like we think a team should punt or we think they should do this, but there's absolutely no gray area about this one. They, like this is the reason. There's just it was just yeah. The, like, you can make the case for coastal Carolina that they're like, well, if we get the first down here, we can just ice the game yeah, away. Right. Like I, I, it's just like the thing that was crazy to me is is twofold. One. It's not like they made a boneheaded play and they got the wrong play in and they didn't kneel today. Dan Wolken tweeted out their final yeah. plays of all their games and they were finished running. Like they didn't, they don't run the knee play yeah. at all. And second of all, Manny Mario has lost a game like this in his career yeah. already. You would think oh. that like one would be enough to not talk about it ever again. And it's just like, I get it. Brains over bravado or whatever, or bravado over brains. You want to run the ball. You're a big offensive lineman. The guy's jacked. You have that (laughs) testosterone you want to let out. Like, I get it. But it's like, how do you look your kids in the locker room after that? In the eyes and just be like, all the offseason, everything that they've done to prepare for this year, they would have been, what, 5-0? and They're going to play North Carolina this week against one of the best players in college football. They might have even been a game day site. Um, It would have been the game of the week. And it's just like you robbed your team of that because you did not kneel. And any and ACC then, conspiracy theories, just please don't say that. Because it's better the for the, leagues if they, if the league if they were undefeated. This is a oh, recruiting absolutely. podcast, and we'll talk about recruiting now. Because you don't just want to talk about how dumb the play call was. 
But like, how do you explain that to recruits of like, I'm a head coach of this team and I did not put my team in the best position to win a game because of something that was stupid. Like that is the hardest part to me. And it's like, I know Jeremiah Smith was there and I know that Jeremiah Smith has just been dying for Miami to give him a reason to go there. Like if Miami went undefeated this year or looked awesome or took a huge step forward and they needed a big time number one receiver, I guess you could conceivably think he might decommit from Ohio State and go to Miami or Florida State or somewhere to stay in state. The most talented player in the foreseeable past, that's not the right way to put the recent (laughs) past, the most complete prospect in the state of Florida was at your game and he saw that shit and it's like, okay. You know, in the grand scheme of things, we talk about how no player makes a decision based on one game or one result or one play. And I believe that to be true. But I also wonder, like, what does that one play mean for the functionality of the entire program? Because it's like, you can't get that right. Then what else are you getting wrong? Right. No, listen, and you have you made great points, Ari. I mean, it, it's a difficult conversation for Mario to have because to begin with, he didn't even want to take responsibility for it, right? I mean, right after right after the game, he says we should have two hands on the ball. So, from a player perspective, it's like, you know, what do you think those recruits are thinking, man? He it's threw, offensive. He, yeah, he threw he threw his kid under the bus, right, for for this mistake. So, um, look, Miami has every opportunity here over the next few weeks to redeem themselves. They got Carolina, they got Clemson, they got Florida State, they got Louisville. They could conceivably, conceivably, come back and get to the ACC championship game and exceed a lot of expectations and win Jeremiah Smith over anyway. But like, if it falls apart, absolutely. Like, if this season, if all of a sudden they're eight and four, seven and five at the end instead of a nine or ten win team because of this game, and and they're you know, it, it's it's a huge impactful moment for Mario Cristobal in his return home, and it and it's going to be what everybody points to as why this program is still not back. Manny, do you think like, if you're on, like, my question for you as someone who covers the team, at any point, is there an assistant coach on the headset saying, hey, this is stupid, we shouldn't do this? Or has he also, I don't want to say brainwashed, but like, do they also genuinely believe his line of thinking now? Like, this is just what we do. This is how we are. They're scared of him. Yeah. yeah. Is is anyone on that headset, uh, A, like aware that they need to push back? And and or be willing to push back. Well, uh, some people were sending me clips of uh, offensive line coach Alex Maribal, who's who's obviously Mario Cristobal's best friend. They played together since high school, uh, and he was with him at Oregon and FIU before this. And supposedly, uh, Maribal was was had approached Shannon Dawson and Cristobal and said, uh, "Hey, we should take a knee." Um, but again, it's a story that none of them want to talk about on the record because. Yeah. Right. It's like this is Mario's team, right? And this is the way he runs it, and he's the boss. And so, I, I hope to get to the bottom of that story in the off season. I'm sure they'll probably talk about it afterward. But the bottom line is: is anybody is everybody scared? Like you asked, I think the majority of them are. I think Mirabal is probably one of the few few guys who could kind of tell Mario, "Yeah, dude, you really effed up there." Did you happen to listen to the Miami uh, radio post game at all? I, I heard bits and pieces of it. I would love yeah. to know the because I, I would assume they interview him because as someone who used to work on a team's yeah. radio, yeah, there's some difficult questions you ask or don't ask post game of the head coach in the locker room right after a loss, and yeah, I can only imagine what it was like. Hey, coach, you know, you know, like, uh, do you think you should have taken a knee there? Like, I'm, I'm guessing they didn't bring that up in the in the Miami interview. No, it was it certainly was 
you know, knowing Don Bailey Jr. and Josie Gacky, who've been doing this for a long time, um, they've never really been ones to put the coach on the spot. And so yeah. if you, li- you listen to their voices uh, post game, it was like almost as if, hmm, I wonder if we should have taken him. They <laughs> yeah. didn't really ask him that question, you yeah. know? So, um, but yeah, it, listen, it, it's certainly one of the worst moments in Miami football history. There's been a lot of them the last two decades. Well, you, you said that this was a good time for them to like turn it around and like make the play or not make the playoff, but like make the ACC championship game. Yeah. If Miami is 10 and two at the end of the year, I almost feel like that would be worse. It's like that yeah. second loss <laughs> right. yes. is like causing you to miss out on something potentially bigger. And it's like, yeah. there's no way to frame it that it's not just like, oh my God, like it's disgusting. Like I am disgusted by it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wrote that, and everyone's it's like, "Yeah, how? all right, it, let's." It, it, <laughs> yeah, it could be what ultimately cost them a playoff spot if they yeah. if they were to somehow. Do you imagine if you messed up your your daughter's soccer team that bad? Oh yeah, you, you scored it on your own goal. All right, all right. We're sorry. I know we got more to recruit and talk about. We'll give you uh, a minute. How'd the draft go? Are you stat? Are you loaded? Are we? Are oh, we yeah. talking wow. five wins? Are we talking yeah, five so wins I- next year? I felt a little like um, Mario Cristobal uh, last night because I, you get to the draft about 20 minutes early and, and all the kids are on the court just kind of kicking the balls. And So I actually went up to one of the players because he was doing great in goal. And I asked him before the draft, I said, are you really willing to play goalie? Like, I need to know if I draft you, can you play goalie? And he told me, no, he didn't want to play goalie. So I didn't pick him. Prima so the, yeah, yeah, a little prima donna ish. He wants to score. I told him he's forget a, about character, he just talent. All you you need talent. <laughs> Where did you draft your daughter? That's what I want to know. Oh no, it's an automatic thing. Like okay, okay, I, okay. yeah, she's automatically on the squad. But she, uh, I would have, you trade her? Would you like if you got two first round picks? Did you, you tell your her? daughter that the only reason why she's on your team is by default technicality? <laughs> I have to. I'm her not that. drafting my daughter. She's not <laughs> good. <laughs> I told her she's lucky that I picked her and she making plays, why. making plays, make them. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, we look forward to uh, it's it's a long off season, man. We got you know there's yeah. gonna be a lot of chatter about what we, we can do. Um, all right. So. The, probably the biggest story in recruiting this week was the decommitment of Elijah Rushing, five-star edge rusher from Tucson, Arizona, who in July committed to Tucson and kind of, I guess not out of the, out of nowhere. There's been a little bit of buzz in, in, in Antonio Morales in our, it's funny, he didn't write a Pac-12 recruiting thought story. He wrote a West Coast recruiting thought story because, you know, most of those teams aren't going to be in the Pac-12. And kind of mentioned there, they had another player from the same high school. What is it? Is it South Point? Is that the name of the high school? South Point Catholic High School. South Point Catholic High School, who had committed to Arizona, three-star who decommitted. So he announces the other night, uh, a few nights ago, that he is backing off of his pledge, which was huge news, obviously, for the local hometown team. And hasn't happened yet, but most people think he's headed to Oregon. Um, Ari, obviously, is a program you know well from Arizona, went to school there. just kind of like what what does this mean and you, as you pointed out there was kind of like a little i don't know if he meant it this way there was kind of like a little dig in his usually the the decommitment announcements are like all love everything's positive but there's kind of a slight there against Arizona that probably didn't sit well with that staff yeah i don't know if that was intentional or if they just need a better editor on that one but he did start with the much love stuff and then he yeah. said but i've decided at this time that uh, I've got bigger goals in Arizona. It's just not the place to develop me or something. I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm trying to get to the bottom of what actually went down. I've talked to a few people in Tucson. 
they said they wanted to give it some time before they they let it out. But there's a few theories about, um, you know, Oregon getting involved in their NIL situation. And, you know, his older brother, Cruz Rushing, is on the team who, you know, got a scholarship offer, isn't playing a ton. There's some people speculating about that, um, you know, and I'm very curious what went wrong there. Because when he committed to U of A, it seemed like, you know, he already had opportunities to go anywhere he wanted to go. Like when you commit to a school, once you already have those opportunities, it's different than committing somewhere and then getting a bunch of offers after the fact. So like, I remember talking to Mitch about this, like on the phone after it happened, I was like, do you think he's going to sign there? I was like, I mean, if he wanted to go to a big time school, he could have gone there already and didn't. So I would assume so. And Arizona is playing well. I mean, they lost to Washington by seven. Yeah, the US well, they're, I know they're not winning games. They're clearly on the right track. So it's not like very he just, much improved yeah. from two years ago, for sure. They used to be like one of the worst teams in the power five. And now they're, you know, respectable s- s- one bad coaching call potentially away from beating USC on the road, which is another overthinking at moment. I think I think Jed Fish should have gone for two at the end of the first overtime there. Uh, not because I had the under, but just because <laughs> what he should have done. Um, the the idea of this is really tough, though, because U of A was supposed to be like, first of all, I think Jed Fish has done a tremendous job with the with the flip of that roster. Um, they have NFL players on their team. They have one of the best one two punch receiver combos in the country. Um, Jaden Delora and, and Noah Fafita, who's been playing in his place at quarterback, are both like the baseline talent level at U of A is just tremendously better than it was before he got there. And that's, that's the number one job of a coach. And when he went out there and did everything he could to get a kid out of South point to commit there, it would have been the first five-star prospect in Arizona history. And it was supposed to be the benchmark of possibility for everybody else, you know, and I heard a lot about how NIL and Tucson with local businesses would be more uh, rampant to support a local kid who went to South point and stayed home the hometown hero thing on billboards and all the stuff that they, they could have sold the hell out of that in terms of like what NIL was actually made to do, which is to have sponsorships for good players on, on local teams. And it seemed like U of a did everything they could from a sales standpoint and an effort standpoint, and even an NIL standpoint to convince him that he could go to Arizona and get drafted from there while also being compensated pretty well from Tucson businesses. So Something clearly went awry here. I'm trying to get to the bottom of what that is. I've heard the rumors. I would like to know what it is definitively. But the saddest part about this is, is that U of A was supposed to be the example to everybody else that it's possible. You know, we talk about it on the show all the time about keep kids home or try, even if you don't think you're going to get them. I wrote a scathing column about Arizona three or four years ago about how their coaching staff wasn't trying at that same high school. And B. John Robinson went to Texas and Lathan Ransom went to Ohio state. I mean, they, they've had players on that team that have been really good that weren't really recruited that hard because they just assume they're not going to get them. So to break through and actually get that commitment, I was like, this is a very good example of what a coach that doesn't take no for an answer can do in the NIL era. And then it lasted what four months and he's going to end up at another school, most likely Oregon. Um, I think people are just on high alert that he's going to commit there any moment now. So just a real kick in the knackers is the way I would put it. Um, and, uh, you know, U of A has got to, you know, kind of get back to the, the ground level and, and continue to build that roster. And it's just kind of a, t- a yeah. tough break. Yeah. And, yeah. and Luther Burden's an example. Now, Missouri's yeah. program was better than Arizona's when Burden committed there and all that. Hey, hey, watch your mouth. They were they were a little bit better. Are you? Okay. okay. I, I compliment Arizona. Come at my, I, don't, I always compliment your alma mater. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, 
But if you watch, you know, Burden has made a huge impact on now he's at a, I guess every position you can make a big impact, but you watch Missouri and you're like, that's, that's a five-star. I mean, he's, he's a guy that we heard a lot about in the recruiting process and he panned out. He's not technically in state. He's from East St. Louis, right across uh, the, the, the Mississippi river there, but he, he's a perfect example of a kid staying home and, and, and taking a different path and making a huge impact. And they're probably not where they are right now as a program without uh without luther burden and they've got another five-star committed and uh in williams Warneri, um and then i guess still in the mix for for ryan wingo there hasn't been much news there so um i just want to get you know ari's thoughts on that situation i'm sure we'll be talking more about it now i assume all of you guys have kind of followed the mark stoops um saga we all know what happened do you think i should have written a column about it because i'm kind of i'm kind of feeling fomo that i didn't um we'd see what happens i mean you continue to report out on it maybe you can gain a little more insight than just kind of speculate. We can talk. We can talk about it. Um, Mark Stoops, you know, I don't know if this is the best Kentucky team or it's a, that we've seen. Very good Kentucky team. Great win over Florida. They go down to Georgia. Kind of thoughts that they could hang there. Georgia played its best game of the year. It was pure domination, I guess. Mark Stoops didn't like the way a question was asked on his radio show and kind of went off and, and said, it is what it is. Fans have the right to complain. I give it to them. I just encourage them to donate more because that's what those teams are doing. I can promise you in Georgia, they brought some pretty good players. You're allowed to these days. We could use some help. And that's what they look like. You know what I mean? When you have 85 of them, I encourage anybody that's disgruntled to pony up some more funds for name, image, and likeness. He's backed off kind of the, the the directness of this, and I liked Kirby Smart's response. So I kind of, I, want, I want to go around and hear everyone's thoughts on him. I'll share real quick. Like this is not a new thought here, but like Kentucky relative to Georgia is nothing new. I mean, it's they they the programs have been where they are in the food chain for decades and decades and decades. The gap has nothing really to do with NIL. And I will say, well, you know, Kentucky is. Mark Stoops is worried about who he has to compete against in his own league to, comp- to to win, but in the entire food chain of college football, Kentucky's in the top like five percent. Like you know, the, Devin Leary is. Would you guys agree? Devin Leary is probably the second most in demand quarterback in the portal behind Sam Hartman this off season. Like that was a really good get in the portal. So it's like not like they can't get guys. They have no nil and all that. So, um, so go, Grace. Grace, you. Uh, what were your thoughts when you heard that? And in, in big picture. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they've got bigger issues in closing the gap than just that. But I will say, after the Jimbo Saban feud last summer, where Jimbo like took it so personally, and I, I think it's kind of refreshing that we're hearing a coach be like, "Yeah, come help us out with NIL." Like we've seen so many coaches whose egos can't handle um, this notion that like NIL might have contributed to you getting a player because they want to go out there and say, well, no, we're, we've worked harder. We're like elite recruiters. So I kind of enjoyed the honesty in, in that aspect. But yeah, I think they've, they've got bigger issues than just that. Yeah, in, yeah. in terms, I mean, not, not to say they are programmed with issues, but closing the gap on Georgia is going to take more than. Well, they're not going to do it, frankly. Right. I mean, no, you know, very few programs have the ability to close the gap on Georgia. Manny? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Kentucky's actually done probably a good job buying players the last few years, right? Like, I, if, if I'm the people backing Kentucky right now, I'm thinking to myself, man, like, your recruiting classes have been better the last few years. They have gotten some, they some talented twins players. From Michigan. Yeah. Right. Like, um, I think he's sort of maxing out, right? Like, it, how much more, like, how much higher up is the ceiling for Kentucky? Uh, I think they're 22nd right now in the, in the team rankings for the recruiting class. Like, can they get into the top 20? Maybe. But I don't know. I I, I think, look, it, it, this is just a coach, again, trying to get more support for his program. 
Um, two years ago, he said something like this. I think a guy like Kirby Smart probably takes it like, you know, what are you saying? We can't recruit. Nowadays, it's clear. Like, it, this is all about money. This is all about raising more money for NIL. And it is what it is. Ari, do you have thoughts? I think that what you said is the exact opposite of what I thought. Okay. And I think my, my column would be, everybody knows, like, we got some weird reviews on our channel about how I always scream stars matter all the time. And I feel like I haven't really talked about it all that much, but all Mark Stoops is saying is their players are bigger, stronger, faster. Right. And there's nothing that I can do as a head coach to overcome that unless we get better players. Um, I don't think they will ever get better players though. Do you? Well, that's the thing that I find interesting is that four years ago. No, I don't. But now I think it's possible within the realm of possibility. If what he said is true, uh, or, or what he said comes true and people actually donate a shit ton of money into their into their collective and they have more enticing packages for players. I absolutely think that Kentucky has a better chance of at least closing the gap. I don't think they're ever going to recruit like Georgia, but if they have three or four more players on their team that were top 100 players that are impact players, then maybe you put together a team that can compete at a higher level in addition to landing transfers like Devin Leary and, you know, some of the guys they've gotten out of the recruiting ranks in the high school level the last few years. Like they've gotten top 100 players. It's not like a team that's hopeless. Right. We're not talking about a team that's in the middle of nowhere that's never had a five-star prospect ever. Like they've they've gotten guys. Sure. And they have an identifiable plan in Ohio that has worked quite well. They've done a good job. Like this team used to be like, I don't know, what's a crappy team in the SEC? They, they used Can't to be one of the one. smallest team. I mean, but <laughs> they, they used to be is a that, joke. Is that you're thinking of, Ari? Is it Vanderbilt? You know, eye for an eye. If you're going to talk crap about my squad, no, but they used to be at the bottom. They That's used first to time be I've at ever the heard bottom. You call them my squad. Yeah. So, I mean, my diploma that my wife wouldn't let me hang in my office uh, says you're on it. Uh, she thinks it's tacky because it's Arizona, or because she's hanging your diploma. <laughs> Probably a combination of both. I don't know where my she goes. Diploma is. She goes, "You're not a medical doctor. We're not putting your journalism degree on the <laughs> yeah. wall." Yeah. It's like, okay, you're right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, house is very feng shui. You know, if you ever come to my house, you'll see like this. There is no detail that hasn't been, uh, look at this, like the perfectly, you know, aligned and the pictures and all that stuff. I think that they have a chance to actually do something if people get bought in, not financially. Like, whereas four years ago, it would have been impossible. So like my column that I would have written is don't get mad at Mark Stoops. It's refreshing the way that Gray said it, but also too. There's actually a chance and a hope that Kentucky can be better than a team that goes six and zero and then gets their doors blown off by Georgia and finishes seventeen. Like if they actually did something, then maybe they could compete with Georgia and win. I mean, they, three years ago they were a win away from winning their side of the SEC, weren't they? We're not talking about a team that's hopeless. We're talking about a team that's maybe seven to ten players away. It's from a lot being of players. truly spent, it is a lot of players, but not too many that you can't buy over a three or four year period with NIL money. Why, why do we talk about Clemson so much? Or Clemson's, and you, you've written it, Clemson's is, Clemson is one of the few programs, maybe Oregon, over mm-hmm. a longer period of time, that has basically changed their position in the college football food chain. I just think that, and maybe I'll be, maybe over, because of NIL but over Kentucky the next 10 years. Kentucky already has though, Mitch. They've totally changed where they were on the food chain. If you look where they were on the food chain yeah, 10 but, years uh, ago. But I think there's a there's a ceiling. They were a guppy. Now they're like a Blu-ray shark or whatever. But like they're not a great white shark. But at least they're not a guppy anymore. And I think what he's saying is, if you're going to give me crap for getting my ass kicked by Georgia, 
then understand the way that the game is played. It, it, there's men and there's boys, and right now there are more boys on his team than men I, in I comparison to the team that they're playing. So right. like, you want to win that game, give us some cash so we can go out and get more men on our squad. And that's actually more likely than recruiting and caring like they did three years ago. Yeah, I think he came back. I didn't. I meant to read his comments. He basically backed off a little bit. He said there was like one person in particular who pissed him off, and he responded like that. He, you know, obviously said all the right things. I appreciate my fans, Kentucky. I've always thought that underrated fan base for football. That place can, can it's a great environment when they're good. And um, yeah, obviously he's done a, a great job raising this. You know, you're and like right. you're, they, they have you're more of a basketball sport. person, but I'm assuming that Kentucky is a major player for NIL and basketball, right? Well, I, I mean, they've got to be. I don't know what the. I mean, I don't know anything. There's been about some issues could, there. I think they are now, but there's been some issues. I could not. I couldn't know Catching. less about college basketball if I tried to know. But and you went to a basketball school. They are. They are actually one of the best basketball programs in the country. And I've had. I mean, I know Coach Cal's been criticized over the years of being a, a NBA factory. He gets one and done players, and sometimes it goes better than than others in their tournament runs, but. They've gotten the best basketball players in the country. And I'm not saying that it's one for one, but if they're financially able to continue to do that in basketball, then one of the most underrated fan bases that you are discussing here on the football aspect of it can raise enough money to go get more number 78 overall kid out of Arkansas than they're getting right now. And guess what? You get three, four, five, seven over a four year period. And four or five of those people are starting in your starting lineup and are draft picks. Then all of a sudden you're playing a closer game with Georgia when you have a pretty good team around them because nobody thinks Kentucky sucks right now. They're probably a, a legit top 25 team, but the gap between number 18 and number one is massive. Then how do you fix that by paying players or creating a collective that is equipped to play players to come play there? Mitch, using your, uh, your trusty uh, recruiting data sheet that, that we always refer to. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky average class from 2009 to 19 was 37th. The last five years, it's 28th. So they've improved, um, yeah. you know, top 30, but, and I think and they, they one, they were number 14 a couple of years ago, 22. Yeah. The and, and, and we'll move on in a second, Ari, but I don't really know where I'm going with this, but like we, we've talked about so much, so much about the, the identifiable plan for Kentucky to go into Ohio. That's kind of like what Mark Stoops helped to move them up on the food chain a little bit, but to get to where he or suggesting they need to go to close the gap. That's not how they get there. It's getting the top 50 guys. They're not going to close the gap by getting the kids out of Ohio that Ohio State and Michigan are recruiting. Well, they could, They probably, like if you go look at their actual rankings without having them up on, in front of me, but they're not signing classes with 12 top 100 players in it. They're signing classes with three. But what if they start signing with six? You double the number from three to six over a four-year period. That's 12 more top 100 players that'll be draft picks on your team. Now, obviously, it's a little bit more complicated than that now that people are leaving programs. But, you know, from a food chain standpoint, I went and looked this up. I I, I got the Aqua Life food chain here. There's okay. one-celled life, <laughs> like little small little things. Yeah. You got shrimp-like creatures. Shrimp-like creatures? Yeah, shrimp and shrimp-like creatures. Okay. You got small fish. You've got mackerel. You've got tuna. And you've got large shark. Now, Georgia is the large shark, right? They're going to go eat any <laughs> other – any, but like – Kentucky 15 years ago was a one celled life that like you would like accidentally swallow if you got water in your mouth. Now they're probably mackerel. <laughs> yeah. You can never make fun of Manny ever again for SeaWorld. No, I'm, I'm yes. thinking SeaWorld like, now. Yeah, actually, where's the Manny, dolphin? Where's the Manny's dolphin? Like, actually, this? let me hold on to this. I know more about sea life than you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's yeah, got a f- crash course into sea life. 
Yes. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> it, it, good, good stuff. Um, all right. So talk a little bit. We, we rarely talk about junior colleges uh, on the show. Um, did you go to one? I did not go to junior college. I didn't know if you got into Vanderbilt out of high school or if you had to go the JUCO route. <laughs> no, I got in. I got in out of high school. Thanks. Oh, um, that's cool. So there was a question in the mailbag about Oregon getting the number one JUCO in the country. So I was thinking Manny and Grace wrote a really good story last year about um, the theory being that with the transfer portal, Power Five programs do not. Power Five programs traditionally have gone to the JUCO route for quick fixes. They've scouted a guy for two years. They know who he is physically. They know if they can plug him in. Well, when you can go get transfers that don't have to sit out, you really don't have to go that route. And the numbers kind of bore that out. So uh, in 2018, there were 129 Power 5 signees from the JUCO ranks. And it steadily went down. And in 2023, there were only 58. This year, I think this will be fleshed out more. There'll be more ranked, but uh, in the 247, not the composite, the 247, only five of the 31 players ranked so far have committed to Power 5 programs. So I just think that's just going to continue to fascinating to watch. Like last year, Alabama had two, uh, the top two Power 5 signees, the top two junior college signees. One was Malik Benson, a wide receiver, his six receptions for 70 yards. And number two was Justin Jefferson, a linebacker, whose fourth team will linebacker. So we're just not seeing the junior college guys is quick fixes that much. Can you guys think of any uh, nationally, anybody who's a junior college, uh, any former junior college player who's making a big impact? Like not necessarily a guy. It could be a guy like a transfer from power, power five down to Juco back up, but landscape used to be littered with that. So I just think that's kind of interesting going forward and that these schools probably just aren't even looking at the power five ranks as much, Manny. I mean, you guys reported that story. That's kind of what coaches told you, right? Yeah. I mean, ultimately a lot of coaches just would prefer the guy who's already played at the power five level uh, over the, the guy who hasn't, you know, and, and that's always going to win out when they decide who do we, who do we take in this class? Who do we fill one of our, our scholarships uh, with? So, um, and I, and it's hard to argue against it, right? Like, I mean, if I was in that position as a, uh, as in a young, uh, a coach of young soccer players, yes. uh, g- give me, give me the, uh, the give me the five star, former five star guy who's played or been on, been on a, uh, campus for two years already at uh, an SEC school over, you know, some guy from Dodge City. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, so you didn't scout the, I think you're doing your team a disservice though, man. You need to cover every stone, <laughs> uncover every stone. I, go what to- I got to start doing is recruiting people to the league is what I got to do. I just got to bring in guys from, from other parks and yeah. do this the right way. Yeah. So yeah. spending maybe a couple hours a week, just uh, driving around South Florida. <laughs> right. Ari, are you, you um, the dogs? Are you signing up to to, to coach uh, live soccer team? I'm definitely soon? going to when that time comes. Yeah. Okay. Um, she I, she's really growing up though. It's it's really cute. Yeah, I'm I'm just curious to know your offensive strategy. Oh, she dropped the. So I have this problem with cursing around my house. <laughs> Shocking development. <laughs> and uh, Liv has become fond of the F word. So we're. we're <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bee flew into the house on Saturday. <laughs> she hates insects, and a bee flew into our house, and she went. What? <laughs> she said it, and Britt got in my face and was like, that's it. You're done with the word. Like, she got all angry with me. I'm on Britt's side on this. Yeah. She was. It was the most perfectly pronounced word she said so far in her life. <laughs> she got the f- down and she got the k- at the end like she's she's got it so we're uh we're working on that but yeah i i think that when the time comes i'm going i don't know about this draft scenario that seems kind of 
intense. I mean, I don't know how you draft children without being offensive to anybody, but um, I, I do kind of like the notion of like Manny having to answer to some random parent of like, why didn't you pick my kid? Like, and having to like explain <laughs> that to them. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes, but didn't yeah, like we gotta, film. just didn't like what you saw on film, man. You just gotta be honest. Didn't like what I saw on film. Didn't like the effort. Didn't like the attitude. Didn't show up for practice on time. All, all the things. Have you ever watched that movie, the ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield? Yes. Many years ago. Very good movie. You should watch it. It might help. Yeah, it might. Um, <laughs> All right, let's get a few mailbag questions. He's a youth not- soccer coach for girls in the movie. Yeah. It's it's really fun. Well, Manny, Manny's got a. We always talk about his daughter being on the team, but it's co-ed team too. So it's yes, yeah, yes, it's co-ed. So that yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I do have the most girls in the league on my team. I will. I would find the that. the girl or the boy that like just slide tackles the most and just wants to eat someone else's lunch. <laughs> That might be my daughter. That might be a little bit. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just have the enforcer out there just lowering shoulders and stuff. Taking um, kids out. Bounty. <laughs> just do, do Buddy Ryan's youth soccer bounty. <laughs> yes. Every time another it probably happens injured, somewhere. Manny yeah. drops $500 on their parents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Few mailbag Anytime <laughs> one of my players takes out the best player of the other team, their parents are going to SeaWorld, baby, on me. <laughs> I'm going like to get like a stack of Chick-fil-A cards every time somebody gets hurt on the other team. Here, here you go. Here's your reward. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> All right. A few mailbag questions. Um, Lance H. asks, does shrinking the transfer portal window really impact anything, or is it just the lipstick on a pig thing? I think it's just in response. No one thinks it's going to solve it, and as many kids are going to transfer. It's just basically an administrative thing, make life easier for coaches and you know roster construction. Would, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, that's. I should have answered that. I mean, it's tough because I don't know if it's going to have an impact on like less people transferring, but I think if we can shrink down when they transfer, it'd be easier to keep track of um roster numbers for coaches and of course for us because it's like i'll be watching college football and sometimes i'll be like that guy's on that team and it's like week six you know it's just like it's impossible to to keep track of oh that happened to me saturday night watching louisville notre dame joey gatewood caught a pass for louisville as a tight end he was like an auburn four-star quarterback signing like eight years ago Mm -hmm. he went to kentucky transferred to kentucky and then somewhere else and now he's a tight end yeah, you see, yeah, and he's a tight end. It, I had no idea he was still playing college football. That was that was wild. Um, all right, let's. We've talked about this probably in Ari when Pod was just us two years ago because we used to talk a lot about like ceilings and floors. But Joe says, "What's the recruiting ceiling in Oregon?" And I'll give my quick thoughts. Like, obviously, they can rec- sign. What were they last year? Top five? Top I think 10? they were seven last seven, year. Seven, like. I think top 10 classes consistently. I just think, and just something I learned from Ari, like if you don't have anything in your backyard, it's hard to say you have a ceiling as being a top five recruiting program every year. Like you it's just so you can't always depend on the out of state flips, the out of state five stars. What makes the Georgia scenario so funny? Cause they do have a ton of players in their backyard. They don't get very many of them and they still are just dominant. I don't know if we're ever going to get to the point. I actually wanted to make this point earlier. When we were talking about Dion. But Oregon has made a living recruiting top 10 classes while out while not recruiting their own state because there's nobody in it. And I think they've done so as a result of the Nike brand, you know, how fun they were to play the video in the video game 
um, the uniforms. They've like done a tremendous job branding themselves in a way that I don't think you can duplicate. I thought there was a chance maybe Maryland with Under Armour could do something similar, you know, seven, ten years ago. That obviously didn't happen. So how well can Phil Knight money recruit at Oregon with the branding that they have? And if Dan Lanning is awesome, I think that they would be one of the teams, in my opinion, that can transcend that seven to five range and do better. Um, because national recruiting has become more and more expected and, you know, players are willing to go up there. So the thing that I, I was thought was interesting, and I don't know if it's overdone by now, but like the idea of Deion Sanders, there are no players in Colorado. Grace wrote the story about that offensive lineman who's not going there. You know, it's very well documented that you could probably make the case that Colorado is similarly situated to Oregon in terms of, you know, having to recruit California and Texas and different places because the players just aren't there. But, you know, obviously, I don't know if Deion Sanders' brand personally is as big as Nike's or anywhere near it. But if Colorado, if he's still the head coach there in five or six years and Colorado starts winning 10, 11 games a year in two or three years from now, which I think is a distinct possibility if he's there, why couldn't Colorado sign top 10 classes out of high school? Like, I think that the the notion or the idea of it is there. Um but I think that I would be higher on Oregon's ceiling than you guys, maybe. I don't know. Okay. I think they could sign a top three class. Well, Grace, I was going to ask you this. And, and Manny, you, you probably have that data from that story you wrote about where guys are from. Yeah. We, we could look this up. When Clemson was signing consistent top eight classes, there was there was local flavor, but they weren't – I mean, there, there weren't – was there every year when they had got more than like four guys from South Carolina, you think? Maybe not South Carolina, but – they tapped into, I mean, Atlanta is like, and that's what's different too. Like yeah. we're talking in say like Oregon, you yeah. got to go. I mean, I guess Seattle's relatively close, but if you're not getting yeah. a local kid, you're going very far where South Carolina, there's parts of Atlanta, you know, Atlanta. Totally. So, yeah. yeah. There are parts of, I mean, Atlanta is closer to Clemson than parts of South Carolina are. Um, I wonder with Oregon, I don't know, maybe this is not a factor for kids, but I do, I do wonder the move to the big 10. Like if you're a West coast kid, and you want your family to be able to see you play on a reason, I don't know, on a weekly basis. Like does, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but. Yeah. Where, where are you going to go though? Cause no one's playing, right. you know, all yeah. these teams are dispersed. So yeah, Ma- I don't Manny, know. what are your, what are your thoughts? Are we, uh, I think, uh, I think Oregon has a chance to be a top, to have top five classes, but I think USC probably needs to fall apart. Like Lincoln Riley would probably have to disappear. So yeah, well, they're I'll, kicking their ass on, you know. The, yeah, why, why do you think that? Because, like, Oregon's doing a great job in California. No, no, I, I understand. I'm just saying to, to, to sort of, I don't know, just accumulate that much talent, they probably would need USC to not be a factor in California. Because USC is still going to clean up and get a lot of the best kids there going forward. Especially, and, like, I'm thinking long term, Lincoln Riley, young coach, assume he gets the defense together at some point uh, and they're able to win a national title. Um, I don't know. I just, like, I'm just trying to think of ceiling, doing the math, adding up, you know, how do you get a top five, top three class? Uh, like you said, you, you need to really, I mean, it's gotta be just a huge collection of five stars. And I don't know that they'll ever get enough of those in one cycle to, to get to the top three or, or, or top five. It's, it's questionable with, with a powerful USC there. That's all. One more question. And Ari, I agreed with your answer in your written mailbag that was published on Tuesday. That probably would have been my exact answer. Um, what do you think the ideal mix for recruiting class percentage-wise was when it comes to high school recruits and portal guys? Why don't you already quickly share your answer, and then we'll kind of go around and see if everyone think what everyone thinks. 
can you ask which question was it again? I, I lost you there. Oh, um, what do you think the ideal mix basically is uh, recruiting class? Oh, percentage yeah, gotcha. Port, uh, uh, high school kids versus portal. I think like maybe early on in, uh, in a roster flip. Um, I could see 50, 50, maybe like if you're, if your roster stinks um, and you need to, to get some results early, but my ideal ratio would be 90 high school, 10% high uh, transfer. Once you have the thing rolling. Cause I think that, you know, if you want to build a program that way, you want to have a, a steady influx of elite level talent coming in that are, are staying and, you know, earning their spots, learning the playbook, getting familiar with the program and, using the transfer portal to plug holes. If you have a running back issue or you had some misses at left guard or something that go into the portal and, and plug somebody in. And I think if you were to ask Mike Norvell in an honest moment, like you did a great job building your Florida state team this way. Do you want to do this every year? Or do you want to get to a point where you're recruiting high school classes the way that Florida state used to? I'd bet any amount of money that he would say, I want to recruit high school classes the way that we used to, you know, and they've taken a step forward in that direction in this, in this cycle. But I think that the portal is a nice means to an end for a, a quick flip. I don't know if it's the perfect anecdote for struggling programs to rely on every year. Like, I just think it's too unpredictable and weird. Like, it's just not an, it's not an easy thing to do. Grace, what, Grace, you're named head coach at uh, UNC. You got the, the alma mater. They bring you home. And you've got you, – it's not a big roster flip. You're just – you you you're taking over from Mac. He retired. He went ten and two. What's your breakdown? I like Ari's ninety ten because uh, at my first gut was eighty twenty, but I think that's too much. Um, I think when you're using the portal to, if you're not using it to fix problems and fill gaps, and you're using it as your primary mechanism, I think that's where you get into trouble. So. I would like I would want a Tez Walker. That's that's exactly the type of approach yeah. that I would take. I would go get a Tez Walker and I would get my Drake May, Sam Howell from the high school ranks. Would um, you hire Ari as your recruiting coordinator when you're named head coach? Hell yeah, definitely. <laughs> Ari would. Uh, Ari's the most convincing person maybe I've ever met in my life. Like Ari, you think can, I'm convincing? <laughs> yeah, you can convince me of anything. How's that? How's that working at you at home, Ari? <laughs> Is that working? I, I can't well? convince my wife to do anything. So it's. Uh, <laughs> It's good to know that at least somebody thinks I'm convincing. I think that what makes me polarizing to people is that when I think something, I say it with my chest. Like, I think I I speak with conviction and that doesn't mean I'm always right, but like, I'm very convinced of my thought process and which is good. I've I've been wrong. I've been wrong a lot, but like, you know, when you sit down in front of a computer and you want to write a column, you want to write an an opinion. opinion. It's like, put your fist on the table and say, Hey, this is the way it is. Yeah, and I will. I always, I defend you all the time, Ari. I'd say like, you, who are you, you defending know, we, me to just people, man on the street. I might just say someone like, do you know, Ari Wasserman yeah, is like, Ari sweet. believes everything he says. And like, as your editor, like where well, I was joked that like, I protect you from the comment section. Like, I don't want you to say something that's You're not doing a bad job of that right now. I don't that Oklahoma call him. I mean, our homeowner's insurance went off. <laughs> <laughs> That if I think something's not well thought out or well reasoned, I, I say, I say hey, editor. you sure you want to say this? And if you do, that's fine. I just want to point it out because sometimes... 99% of the time, I'm like, yeah, I do want to say that. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I uh, never... Uh, yeah, I... 
Yeah, that is what okay, it is. Okay. I, All right. I, I yeah, want Manny to answer the question. I just I don't think I say anything that's that crazy. That's the thing that bothers <laughs> well, me. I don't know about that. Like, he goes, you have to convince people that like I, I actually think what I'm saying. Like I'm saying like the moon is made out of cheese. Like that's <laughs> like I'm not. I don't think I say anything that's that outlandish. The fact that your daughter's first coherent <laughs> word was the f bomb explains a lot. It was mama, and then dad, dad, and then yeah, and then that was the third. That the f bomb, dad, dad. It's, just, it's it's the fall, and she's around on Saturday. So what do you want from me, <laughs> <laughs> Coach Manny? Uh, if I'm taking over a top ten program, it's it's definitely ninety ten. If I'm taking over a five and seven Miami program, losing the Middle Tennessee State, it's probably sixty forty fifty fifty. Um, and to, when you're when you you're recruiting a kid, a, do you say do you know how to take a knee? Absolutely. That's okay. the number one uh number one question I'm asking all the recruits, all the quarterbacks anyway. Yeah, good. All right. You guys ready for a little trivia? Let's do it. Grace, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. She loves trivia. Oh yeah. yes. All right. <laughs> this one's pretty straightforward. Manny, are you cheating? Yes. I gave many I gave many and Grace the answers every <laughs> yes. week in advance. They kind of pretend like they don't know. All right. Of the top ten passers in the country this year so far through five six games whatever in yards per game okay okay only two of the ten are not transfers who are they are you gonna name the players or no yards per play you said yards yards per, no, per yards play per game. is a very yards. specific no 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 snap. yards oh. per game top 10 passers yards, yards per, per game. game okay sorry okay. if i misspoke so Penix is definitely a transfer so it's not him Right, it's not Caleb. Is it, is it, is Caleb it Tyler? Tyler Van Dyke in there? He's not among the is top. Is Drake 10. May in there? Ding, ding, ding! Drake May is one of them. Good job, okay. good job, Grace. Look um, at that! You uh, can take another a deep breath now from trivia. <sighs> yes, well, I'm gonna have I'm you gonna know. have every uh, be a North Carolina guy as an answer to every trivia question from now I know, on. Right? So, yeah. How is many we, more uh, do we have? Uh, well, you've mentioned Penix. Yeah, you need one more. You've mentioned Penix uh, and uh, Caleb Williams as. They are in the top ten, but they are not trans. They're not. They've obviously transferred. Did um the Washington State guy transfer? Yes, Cam yeah. Ward from Incarnate yeah, Word. From? Incarnate Word. I'm trying to think of all the guys who are the, the Carson top Beck transfer. Is he in the top ten? I don't know. Mitch, why? Why do you think I'm uh, have this blind stare on my face? Because I missed him. He's in there. He should be. Should be three. <laughs> Okay, so I do just make our feel better. Uh, I, I've messed, missed an element of the trivia question probably like five straight weeks. <laughs> the but best, this, the best part of these Mitch trivia questions is there's always one extra guy he that, that he doesn't yes. account for. It. Well, you know what? This one is just a dumb mistake. Like usually they're convoluted. There's a lot of research involved, so I screw something up. This is just yeah. me being just dumb. Yes, Carson Beck is one, so there's three. Oh, I just didn't bold him. That's a that's a bad look on your part. Though, it, is. Pal. it is. It is. <laughs> Uh, I think I know who the other one is. Uh, who? I know who the other one is. Because we were talking about his receiver on the show. Am I right? Maybe. Maybe not. Brady Cook. Yes. Good call. Yeah. Um, so we have Michael Penix Jr., Shador Sanders, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, Cam Ward, Carson Beck, Brady Cook, Dylan Gabriel, Caleb Williams, and Bo Nix are the top 10 power five. I should have said power five. There's a few um, uh, G5 guys in there sprinkled in. So. Good job, Grace. Good yeah. job, Ari. Yeah, not good job by me. I gotta, I, I gotta do better. Yeah, this is like uh, once out of every three trivia questions is wrong from you. So yeah, all right. You know what? Like Ari, you know all those trivia questions when we first did the show that used to always get wrong. This should be like 
in when you're watching like a cop show or something like that, if like an attorney, if there's like a the, the they screwed an attorney's made lawyer made a mistake and then go back and start investigating all of his previous cases, you could probably go back listen to all these pods and and and, uh, and claim victory in a lot of the trivia questions. I actually think that like I've had a very good resurgence of being pretty good at these. The last yeah, we well, you pay attention to the questions. Yeah. It was kind of hard when you would give answers that were mathematically impossible. Yeah. Okay. Are we done ripping on me today? Or? <laughs> He's let's, let's, let's ask Liv. She'll be like, well, I have yeah. a story. I have a story that I have to have filed in an hour and 55 minutes. And I have a uh, meeting that I spaced that is right after this. So it depends on when you want the story. Okay. Then, then, then uh, close this out. Do your job. Thank you for listening to Stars Matter. We will catch you next week. Bye.